0: This week, I'm going to be speaking on the fruit of the Spirit, on the fruit of the Spirit this morning. And so, here's quiz time for you. Who can name me a fruit? There's nine of them, in case you don't know. There's nine fruit of the Spirit. Who can give me a, can give me a fruit of the Spirit? Anyone, you can give me one? Okay. Love, that's a good one. Hey, don't yell out, thank you very much. Hey, hands up. We're not barbarians in this church. We are civilized people. Ash. Joy, peace, peace. Kindness. Kindness. kindness, patience. Wait for, my, wait for my wife put her hand up again. <laughs> gentleness, self-control. 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 Missing a couple, missing some meekness, meekness or gentleness, and there is what two more? Okay. Faith. Faithfulness and. Kindness, thank you very much. You all get a gold star. I was going to bring chocolates and throw them at you, but I didn't do that. I completely forgot to buy chocolates. Uh, Yes, but that's all nine. So yes, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let's read together Galatians 5. And I'm not going to just read the gifts of the Spirit because that gives us no context into what Paul is actually talking about. Why is Paul actually talking about the fruit of the Spirit? Why does he mention it? Why does he write it to the church at Galatia? We will we'll get to that. But I want to read the larger passage about, so Galatians 5:16 to 26. So I say, says Paul writing, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite to what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. See, we are not free to carry out your good intentions. there's is a war within us. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustfulness, pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. Notice that list is much longer than the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Interesting. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But here we go. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have now the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous. Of one another. Let's pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that it is living and active. And even though we've read these things before, we know, Holy Spirit, you will come and teach us something new. So help us to be open. Help us to receive this morning what you have to teach us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we come to look at the fruit of the Spirit, what I don't want to do is examine each of the fruit individually. I don't want to put them under the microscope because I think you understand. When I say what patience is, you know what patience is. You know what love is. You know what gentleness is. You know those things. So I'm not going to put them under the microscope. No one wants to listen to a nine-point sermon. Okay? So I'm not going to do that to you this morning. What I want us to understand is something I think is far more important. It's the the purpose of the fruit. It's the why and the how. What are they meant to do? What What are they about? How do they look in our lives? What is the purpose of the fruit? So we need to understand a couple of things before we look at them. From the outset, I want you to know that we need to understand that the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are two different things. It is spiritual fruit versus spiritual gifts. They're not the same thing. Okay? Spiritual fruit and spiritual gifts are two separate things. To save you having another quiz, 1 Corinthians 12 outlines the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to touch on those today. That is for a later talk in this series. Say that they are word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gifts of faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. These are distinctly different from the fruit of the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit are not given. They are not gifts. We are not given the fruit of the Spirit. They are the result of having a relationship with God. They're not gifts. We bear fruit, we are not given fruit. Fruit is grown, gifts are given. That makes sense. When you see a tree, it grows fruit. No one gives the tree fruit. So fruit is grown and gifts are given. We grow fruit in our lives. The fruit is a result of who we are and who we allow tend to us. Fruit is not something we strive to produce. The apple tree doesn't work really hard to produce apples. It doesn't sit in the middle of the field and strain. Apple. That's not how it works. That's not how apple trees work. The apples will naturally occur from the tree if the tree is healthy. If it is growing, if it is healthy, the apples will grow. If it is tended to well with the right ingredients, we will get fruit. We are the same. We too will naturally produce fruit, but the fruit that we produce is dependent on what we allow to influence us. Who tends to us? What influences do we allow into our lives? Because that will determine the fruit that we produce. Jesus says this in Matthew twelve thirty-three. He says, Make a tree, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If the tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. So people will know who we are, what we are, who we belong to, based upon our fruit. Paul makes it quite clear that one way or another, we will produce fruit of some kind. If you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the fruit that you produce will be envy, anger, selfishness, ambition, lust, hostility, that huge list that Paul listed. We'll see those things in our life if we... Follow the sinful desires of our heart. But if we live by the Holy Spirit, He who's living within us, then we'll see an entirely different array of fruit produced in our lives, And that fruit will be in conflict with the other kind of fruit. They are constantly at war. They are in conflict. They are opposites of each other. So you understand that no matter what you do, you will produce fruit. But the kind of fruit that you produce is up to you, depending on who you allow to influence and who you intend your heart. When Paul writes in Galatians, I don't believe it's any mistake or or happenstance. I don't think he pulled words out of a hat. That the first fruit listed is love. I believe that Paul listed love first and then the other fruit. It's intentional. The primary fruit of the spirit is love. It's love. We know from Paul's letters to the Corinthian church that Paul places a high importance on love, on people loving one another. Just read 1 Corinthians 13. If you've ever been to a wedding, you know that passage. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is the most important of the fruit because the rest of the fruit essentially are ways of describing love. The rest of the fruit, what that does is it tells us how to love. It puts legs on love. When Paul writes in Galatians, the word he uses for love is the word agape. Hands up if you've heard the word agape before, you know what agape love is, as opposed to filio love, which is love for one another, eros love, which is romantic love, we have agape. And agape is God's love, it is perfect love. And it comes from the original word agapo. And agapo simply means to welcome with open arms. That's what agape means. To welcome with open arms. There is no condition There is no set of rules you have to follow. You can just be welcomed with open arms. That's what agape love is. God welcomes you with open arms. In the Hebrew, and Dave's not here to correct me, God's love is Bahaba. Bahaba. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, but it's okay. You'll forgive me. And we know that the Hebrew language is a picture language. It provides images for us to understand the words. And here's what Bahaba is. This is God's love. This is what it means. It is one vessel pouring into another vessel. That's Bahaba. God's love pouring out into us who believe in him. So the image is that God takes his love and he outpours it into believers. So we can be filled up with his, his love. But it's more than that. Because if you have a glass of water and you have an empty glass, and you pour water into the empty glass, you now have another glass of water, yes? Okay, this is a glass of water. But when we use the word Bahaba in the Hebrew language, it means more than that. When he pours his love into you, when God pours his love out, and you are filled with his love, you do not possess God's love. You are not a container holding God's love. You become God's love. That's what the image means. God is love, Not a container holding love. He is love. And he pours his love so that we can become love. We become God's love here on earth. Not a person who has love or possesses it like it's an object. No, we become God's love just as he is love. That is the idea. That is what God's love is. That we become God's love so we can show other people How much he loves them. And so the fruit of the Spirit has love first. So we understand what that is now. we become God's love. And the rest of the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, defines God's love. The fruit of the Spirit defines God's love. It reveals to us what it means to be God's love. Michael Timmis wrote it like this. He said this. He said, The way I define love is by using the fruit of the Spirit. He said, joy is love rejoicing. Peace is love at rest. Patience is love waiting. Kindness is love interacting. Goodness is love initiating. Faithfulness is love keeping its word. Gentleness is love empathizing. And self-control is love resisting temptation. So the fruit of the spirit describe The love that we have and that we are. That's the love we see in Jesus. Jesus personified all the fruit of the Spirit because He is God and God is love. This is the love that we have when we become filled with the Spirit. The same Spirit that was in Jesus as He walked among us and ministered is the same Spirit living in us. So we have the same love. Paul said in Book of Romans five five. He says this: God's love. This is how we have. No, don't, this, no, this is what we have, trying to lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us, because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. That's what Paul writes to the church at Rome. So the Holy Spirit enables us to live out God's love. Because we cannot do it on our own. We don't have the ability or the strength. We are not like God. And so what God does is he gives us the Holy Spirit to enable us to be his love. We are called to live a life of love. The world knows how to love. We know that. There are millions of people out there who do not know Jesus and yet still love their families. They love their friends. They love their pets. They still know how to love. There's people out there who are patient without knowing Jesus. We know that. Love is not unique to the Christian faith. But God's love is unique to the Christian faith. If we want to love like God the Father and love like God the Son, we need to be filled with God the Spirit. Because God's love is greater than our love. It is another level. The world knows how to love, but it does not know God's love. The love that it needs. So how do we live with the spirit of love then? How do we do that? How does it look? Well, first we need to understand that the fruit, as it describes love, the fruit is for community. Number one, the fruit is for community. The demonstration of the fruit of the spirit in our lives is outward focused. It should be outward focused. It's not about us. The fruit of the spirit is an outward reflection of an inward process. We are baptized in the Holy Spirit. He fills us. We have His love within us. And because of that, we start to display the fruit of the Spirit. We start to grow and bear the fruit of the Spirit. We become more patient. We become more gentle. We we perfect His goodness. We try and resist temptation. That is an internal process, but the fruit is for us. It's for us as a church. As we allow the Holy Spirit to do His work in us, we see the fruit that it produces And it's meant to create a community of believers who can show the world that God loves them. And how will they know that if they don't see love within the church? If we don't love each other, then how will people ever turn to a God if his own followers don't love one another? Paul said this, uh, we've read this before. In verses 25 and 26 of Galatians 5, I'll read it again. It says, Since we are living by the Spirit... Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So if we live by the Spirit and we invite him to lead us and we follow his leading, then we avoid what? We avoid being conceited, provocation, and jealousy. All those three things have to do with our relationship with other people. That's Paul's warning. Paul said your relationship with one another as the church functioning as a body of believers is the most important thing because the fruit of the Spirit is all about how we interact with each other. We are joyful. We share our joy with each other. We are patient with each other. We are gentle with each other. We show His goodness to each other. That is how we're meant to be. We're meant to show faithfulness to one another, trusting each other because we trust in Him. The things that Paul said that we can avoid are all about relationship. Living with the spirit of love means building a community of believers, not isolating ourselves from each other, not coming to church, sitting in a seat, and then leaving straight away. We're trying to build a community. We are a family. The Holy Spirit is about development, not division. God knows what we are capable of when we are united. The Holy Spirit leads us into unity because the church is meant to be an unstoppable force. We're meant to be unstoppable. As we saw at Pentecost, 120 believers all gathered together. They were of one spirit and of one mind. We are created to be of one mind, of one spirit, of one purpose, of one calling. Because together we can achieve more for his glory and his goodness than we can achieve on our own. The church is meant to be unstoppable. God created us to be this way. It's His intention. God knows our potential as the church because He breathed it into us. God is a triune God God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. He breathed this into us that we would be together and live in unity. God knew our potential. He knew the potential of people working together. We see this clearly in Genesis 11, at the Tower of Babel. We don't know the story. We're not going to get into the story now. Uh, the people were afraid at that time. This is a long time ago of being scattered. They were growing in number, and they were afraid of being scattered amongst the earth. And so they decided to build a city for themselves, a huge tower that would reach to the heavens. And they said because they're afraid of being scattered, they said this, let us make a name for ourselves. They figured, if everyone could see how amazing we are, we'll make a name for ourselves, then we'll be able to stay where we are and be able to be who we are. We'll be able to make the, uh, ourselves the greatest version of ourselves. Let us make a name for ourselves. They sought to edify themselves, not worship God. They were trying to build themselves up Instead of worshipping God. And so God had to step in. And God says this in Genesis 11:6. He says, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. God said, Nothing they plan to do will be impossible. So the people as one, speaking one language, having one goal, can do the impossible. That's God's declaration. The people who are united as one can do the impossible. So God confuses their language. And the people face what they fear and they get scattered. But then fast forward to the day of Pentecost. And God has united the believers in one place. 120. In one place. And he he unites them with his spirit and a common message. It's not exactly a reversal of Babel. I wouldn't go that far. But it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Because they didn't speak all the same language, did they? Because when it happened, tongues of fire came down, huge commotion. Then the other people in the temple rushed to see what was happening. They came to see what was happening with these people. And they who watched on could hear all these people speaking different languages all of a sudden. But it was the same message. Regardless of what language they spoke... They were speaking the same thing. Acts 2.11 says that the men watching, those outside, looking in, exclaimed that we hear all these people speaking our own languages. These are men scattered from all over who have come to Jerusalem. They speak different languages. They're from different parts of the world. And they came, and these 120 believers, who are mainly Galileans, who had never been anywhere else in the world, were speaking the languages of all these foreigners. So speaking all these foreign languages. But it says... The people said, We hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. So, no matter what language it was, they were saying the same thing. They were declaring the good things that God has done. It was the same message, different languages, but the same message. So, God has united the believers in one spirit and with one message. Why? Because God knows that when the people are united, they can do the impossible. The church can do the impossible when they are united with the same message and the same spirit. We are unstoppable, church. We are unstoppable if we are united. That's God's declaration. Nothing they do will be impossible for them. And that is why he brought us together at that time, so the church could be born. And so the message of Jesus Christ as the Son of God who died on the cross... Could be spread all throughout the world. Unstoppable. And so the fruit of the Spirit reveals God's desire for community. We're meant to be about community. Secondly, the fruit is foundational. The fruit is foundational. It's already clear that there's a distinction between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. We know that. But that doesn't mean there's no relationship between the two. They are related, they are connected. The gifts are about service; the fruit are about character. They're, they're related. If we seek to ask God for gifts, if you want God to give you the gift of prophecy or the gift of knowledge, or the words words of knowledge, whatever it is, if you're going to ask Him to give you gifts, if you want to use the gifts that God gives you, then it makes sense that first we are demonstrating the character of God, doesn't it? Doesn't that make sense? We need to have the fruit. Bearing in our lives, if you want to be effective in the gifts that He has for us. Living with a spirit of love is foundational to moving in the gifts that He has for us. Galatians five, verse sixteen. We we'll read it again, it says, So I say, the Holy Spirit guides your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So if you live according to the sinful nature, and then as Paul says later in verse twenty one, we won't inherit the kingdom of God. There'll be no impartation of gifts to any believer that isn't living according to the Holy Spirit. But for those of us who live according to the Spirit, are being led by the Spirit, being effective in the gifts, we are given directly stems from developing the fruit. We need to be bearing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives if we want to be effective in the gifts. Because when we are bearing fruit, it means that we have decided People can see that we are living according to the Spirit, not according to our sinful desires, the flesh. Effectiveness in gifts comes from developed fruit. We will grow in our giftings the longer we walk with God. The more we dig into His Word, the more we press into Him, trust in Him, grow our faith and understanding of Him, the greater our giftings will become seen as we seek to glorify him, not glorify ourselves. So walk humbly with your God, and the fruit will develop. And as it develops, so too will the gifts that God gives you, as you become filled with his love. So the fruit is about community. The fruit is foundational. And lastly, the fruit is freedom. The fruit is freedom. Have you ever read the book of Galatians? Uh, i'm not sure if you've noticed but it's a bit different to the other letters at the beginning of the letter of galatians paul wastes no time getting to the point Uh, there is no i thank you god that you were doing this or i thank you god that this has happened we find that in romans we find it in the letters to the corinthians but we don't find it in the letter to the galatians because there's something clearly wrong with the church at galatia there's something there that isn't right what was happening was there was a group of believers at the Church of Galatia called the Judaizers. And the Judaizers believed that becoming a Christian meant you had to perform some certain legalistic rites, Old Testament, Old Covenant stuff. You had to do those things in addition to grace, receiving salvation from Jesus. And the church was getting caught up in a, in a combination of grace and legalism. That was the issue. And this legalistic approach says that in order to please God, I had to tick all of these boxes. In order to make him happy with me, I've got to go through this list and tick them off. Legalism hasn't gone away, in case you're wondering. It still exists today. There are still Christians out there who believe they need to do certain things to avoid God's wrath. If I do these things, God will be happy with me today. There's people who believe that still. Legalism is still here. No different now than it was in the church of Galatia. But Paul was not having it. Paul wasn't having it. He writes to make it clear to the church of Galatia and to us today reading that we are only saved by the grace of God. We are only saved through grace. We are only saved by believing that Jesus Christ died on the the cross for our sins. That's it. That's it. Salvation is a gift that is freely offered and we have the choice to accept that or not. There's nothing we can do to earn God's love. It is a gift. And so Paul addresses this, and he teaches about the fruit of the Spirit. And he wants to make make it clear that under grace, those of us that accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, we are free. We are free. There is freedom only when we have faith in Jesus. Only Jesus offers us true freedom. He says this in verse 18 of Galatians 5. He says, But when you're directed by the Spirit, you are not under, under obligation to the law of Moses. That is why Paul writes that very distinctly. Because they believe, as a group of believers, saying that you still are obligated to the law of Moses. You still have to do these things. And Paul's saying, No, no. You are free if you accept Jesus' gift of salvation. You are free. Even when the fruit of the Spirit are listed, it's not a checklist. We're not checking off each day. Oh, yeah, I feel out of love today. Yeah, I feel I'm kind of joyful. Uh, I'm not really feeling patient today, so we'll get back to that one later. Um, I'm feeling gentle. Yeah, I'm feeling gentle today. The fruit of the Spirit is not a checklist. It's not a checklist that we have to tick off every day. Paul says after he listed the fruit, he says, there is no law against these things. Because they have freedom. The life offered by God the Father through faith in God the Son, empowered by God the Holy Spirit, is a life of freedom. A life of bearing good fruit. Not out of trying to appease an angry God who's mad with you, but fruit that grows naturally because we are filled with his love. Not freedom to sin, freedom to bear good fruit. The fruit that we bear shows that we are free. That living this life with his spirit of love means that we can have a joy whatever the circumstance. The world can't have that. Only we can have that because we know that God loves us. No matter what you're facing, you can find joy in your life because God has saved you and set you free. We have peace. We have peace because we know that we are free from sin and death. No matter what happens, we know that we are free. We can wait patiently because we trust in our God, because we know He loves us, and that He will do exceedingly abundantly more than we ask or imagine, because He loves us. So we can wait patiently because we trust Him. We can be kind because we have received kindness from God. Unmerited, unwarranted, He chose to give us a gift of eternal life. We can show his goodness because we're not trying to please other people. We're not trying to measure up to other people's standards. We can show goodness because he is good. And all we care about is living the life that he wants us to live, not other people. We can remain faithful because he is faithful, because he shows us what that is. We can keep our promises because God will help us and resource us. We can be steadfast, not linked to others for validation, but being full of faith. We love with gentleness, not judgment, because he has not counted our sins against us. So we do not judge, we are gentle. And his spirit of love guiding us to love accordingly. And we desire to be self-controlled because we want to please God. We want to live the life he has for us. Knowing that we have a choice. We have a choice to submit to our sinful, selfish desires or surrender our desires to Him, nailing them to the cross, and instead of fixing our eyes on Jesus, we live with the same spirit of love that was in Him, lives in us. Love for God and love for others, in order that we can feel our purpose for His glory. Simply, church, we need to bear much fruit. We need to bear much fruit. That's our calling. To bear much fruit so that others would see the freedom we have and the love we have in our lives. So, how do we bear the fruit? How do we live up to this ideal? Do we do it in our own strength? No, of course not. It's too lofty an ideal to do it on our own. Who can love all of the time? That's hard, yeah? That's hard. I don't I don't feel like loving all of the time. I don't feel joy all of the time. I'm certainly not patient any of the time. Most impatient person I know. No. Anyway, we go on to that. We're not gentle all the time, are we? We say harsh words sometimes, don't we? We can't do it in our own strength. We cannot do it. Only through the Holy Spirit within us, empowering us. This is how we do it. I'm going to finish with this scripture. It's a long one. We're going to work through it. John 15. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus gives us the answer. Verse one. We seek his presence. We stay in his presence. We stay attached to the source of our faith, of our life. He prunes us so we can produce more fruit. And sometimes that's painful. Sometimes he has to cut things off that we don't like. But it's for our benefit so we can produce more fruit. We've been purified through Jesus. That's the gospel message. He makes us clean. We've been drawn into the light out of the darkness. If we disconnect our souls from the vine, we will stop being fruitful. We'll lose our fruitfulness. We'll produce other fruit that does not last and only causes division. So we have to remain in him. Reading on, verse 5. Next one. Verses 5 to 8. Sub-branches are gathered together in a pile and burned. But you remain in me, and my words remain in you. You may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Jesus is our vine. We are extensions of him. We are the hands and feet of Jesus here on earth, because he is no longer here. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. That's what I spoke about at Pentecost. He sent the Holy Spirit so we could be extensions of him, be his love in the world. Without Jesus, anything we do doesn't last. It has no eternal value. But if we remain in him, we have a source to a power and provision that is unparalleled. He will give us what we need to do the job he has asked us to do. It doesn't mean you can ask forever you want. No. But when you're connected, growing as his branches, extensions of Jesus, you will seek only what God wants. And he will give you what you need. And then you'll produce much fruit, displaying the character of God so that others will believe. Because God is the one that will choose to worship. Verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey the Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things that you will be filled with my joy as a fruit of the Spirit. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way as I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. The same spirit of love that lived in Jesus while he was here, it lives in us. Make no mistake. He didn't get a different spirit. It's the same spirit, the Holy Spirit. He lives in here. He loves us. And we that love him will choose obedience. We will choose to obey him. The knowledge of his love should cause us to be overjoyed. No matter what you're facing, no matter what your circumstances, if you just stop and reflect and go, God loves me, that should give you joy. That should give you joy that abounds. That's love rejoicing because there's nothing that can separate us from his love. So love should reign from him out through others, through us, out to other people. A sacrificial love because he calls us his friends, those who obey and are loved like Jesus. And Jesus finishes off. I don't want to call you slaves because the master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit, So the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command love each other. I asked the magicians if they would come. We are chosen. You are chosen. Chosen by God to bear lasting fruit. A life that leaves a legacy that goes beyond your natural life. A life empowered by the Holy Spirit, declaring the name of Jesus so that the world may experience what we have already experienced, his abiding love, his abundant love, the love we have within us, that they can have within them if they choose to believe. Let us stand this morning. We're going to pray. God has chosen you to bear fruit you, me, everybody who declares that Jesus is Lord has been chosen to bear fruit. And we bear fruit when we remain in Him. When we remain in Him. We don't allow ourselves to be separated by the struggles of this world, the challenges that we face. We remain in Him. and He becomes our source, our, our strength, our power, our source of love. And what He wants to do what he's already done is he's poured out his love into you, whether you realize that or not. He's poured out his love into you, but you don't just hold his love. You are now God's love. And the only way that people will get to know God is that they interact with his love, and that is us. We are called to bear fruit so that other people know who is tendered to us, who influences us, who we are, who we belong to. So when you go into your workplace, into your home, wherever you are, people see in you something they don't see in other people. A peace, a joy, a patience, a gentleness, a faithfulness. That only comes when you understand that you belong to God and He has filled you with His love. So the challenge for us is to go out and be His love and bear much fruit. We're going to pray this morning. And maybe you're here or maybe you're watching online and you've never understood that God loves you as much as he does and that he loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. You didn't ask Jesus to do that. Maybe this is news to you. I don't know. But Jesus died for you. He made the sacrifice so that you could know God's love, so you could be filled with God's love. And there's anyone here, or anyone watching at home, who has never given their life to Jesus, who has never said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I give my life over to you. And now's an opportunity. Now's an opportunity. It's simple. All you need to do is recognize that up until this point, you've been following your own desires, doing what you want. And the Bible calls that sin. It's doing the things in our life that God doesn't want us to do. Living the life that God doesn't want us to live. And all you need to do is say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me of my sin. I invite you, Lord Jesus, to come live in me. I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God and you died for my sins. I give my life to you now. I want to follow after you. Come live in me. That's all you need to do. If you want to take that time this morning, then now is a better time than ever. If you've done that this morning, I encourage you come speak to us. If you're at home watching, you've given your life to Christ. Contact us. We want to journey with you as you do that. And now, for everybody else, myself included, we have a challenge. The food of the spirit says, "Love and nice, this nice and warm fuzzies." But the fruit of the Spirit is a challenge. That's the stuff we're meant to produce. And if we're not, then we're not living the life God has for us, the God God wants for us, the life God wants for us. So let's pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth, that it is true. And Lord, as we read this morning, the Church of Galatia had some issues. And Paul addressed them. And he addressed them through the fruit of the Spirit, reminding that those early Christians, reminding them that salvation is a free gift. It's a free gift. That we can't earn it. We can't be a good enough person to earn your love, God. You give us your son Jesus as a free gift. We believe in him. You come and live within us. And we have a relationship with you again. That relationship is fixed. It is repaired. Well, we thank you. We thank you that you came to fix what was broken because we could not fix it ourselves. Lord, I pray for every person here, myself included, everybody in every church, in Brisbane, in Queensland, in Australia, around the world, every Christian, every believer who gathers together. I pray that we would know that we are meant to be an unstoppable force for your good an unstoppable force declaring the power of the gospel, declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord and that only through Jesus can we be saved. We are united by one message and one spirit. And because of that, as you declare God, there is nothing that we cannot do. We can do the impossible if we are united together. So God, every single person here, I pray that they would understand. that You're given fresh revelation today that they are not just filled with your love, they are your love. And they are your love to every single person they know who does not know you. They are meant to be the love of God personified. And they display that. They show that. They give evidence of you through the fruit that they bear. So help us to be loving. Help us to be love rejoicing. Help us to be Love that is patient. Help us to be love that initiates your goodness. Help us to be gentle, not judgmental. Help us to resist the urge to do things our own way, to go back to the sinful nature. Help us to resist. But know that as we bear fruit, as we yield to you, Holy Spirit, as you reign in us and we follow your leading, You can use us to do mighty things. You can use us to show the world that the only way is Jesus. He is the only way. Lord, we declare your goodness this morning. The same Spirit that lived in Jesus as he walked the earth is the same Spirit living in us. Help us to walk as Jesus did. Help us to love as Jesus did. To be patient, to be gentle, to be faithful, Help us to obey and live in obedience to your calling. Because you chose us. You called us for the, before, before the formation of the world. You called us and you chose us to bear fruit. So help us to be fruit bearers so that others would know that you are their God and that you love them and you want to fill them with love overflowing. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I pray these things in his mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. If you want to contact us, please feel free to love journey with you. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.